Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Yes, indeed. And I am joined this morning by our friend Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Julie. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Danny. Happy holidays to everybody out there. Absolutely. And I wish Carl the same and your mom and dad as well. Haven't seen them for a while. I know it. I haven't either. We're hoping I bet. to see them, but we're, you know, everything's kind of questionable up until the last minute. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, let me give you the phone number. It's also the text number. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. And if you're familiar with our Smart Garden Show, you know we tend to get real busy real fast. So if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, shoot it to us either by phone or by uh, text. And Julie, while we're waiting uh, for those phone calls and text messages, uh, and especially for new listeners, uh, we always love to tell uh, the folks about the web page, the U, U of M web page, uh, the extension web page. It's such a great resource, and I understand that there are some new web pages there. There are. You know, everybody's trying to grow plants in new and innovative ways. And we have written, uh, and particularly this time of year because everything's indoors, we've got a couple new pages that might be of interest to folks out there listening. One is on hydroponics, on small-scale hydroponics. So this is a soilless type of growing. It's written by our Extension Educator in Vegetables, Natalie Hoytel. And so if you have wondered about hydroponics on a small scale, so this means growing it in your house, not being a farmer per se, or being a hydroponic farm, but if you're interested in it, it's an excellent page. I was just reading it this morning, kind of prepping for the show. It's really, really cool. And um, and also there is a new indoor lighting page. So lighting is one of our biggest drawbacks in growing indoor plants, house plants, as well as things like uh, uh, microgreens, et cetera. So this webpage will give you some great tips on growing and using lighting. This is, this is supplemental lighting to your windows. Yeah, in fact, I mentioned this to you before. We've had some good luck with uh, grow lights on our Meyer lemon tree. I mean, it's oh, got yes. it's got a bunch of flowers or whatever you call it uh, <laughs> right now. I mean, it, it it looks it looks very healthy and has a bunch of lemons. Is there uh, what can you grow hydroponically? If I can put it that you way, can, what what things you, besides tomatoes? You can grow an amazing amount of things. You can grow greens, 
So you can grow herbs, you can grow vegetables, and you can grow fruit. So pretty much anything can be grown mm. hydroponically. I don't think trees could be grown. That would be quite an interesting thing to try. I suppose it could be grown hydroponically. But I think in our homes, probably a little bit smaller plants would be something that you could grow. But almost anything can be grown hydroponically. Natalie says it right in the article. That's kind of fun, actually. It is kind of cool. Yeah. And there's some excellent... Uh, you know, really simple systems that don't cost a lot of money and uh, that people could put together on their own using just plastic bins, for example. Again, get on the web. Great reading, great resource, uh, extension.umn.edu, and we'll be mentioning that as we always like to do uh, throughout the show. Check it out. In the meantime, why don't you give us a call? You can talk to Julie or you can send Julie a text. Same number, 651-989-9226. Julie, let's uh, grab a phone call. I think Mark is calling in from Shoreview this morning. Mark, you're on with Julie. Yes, good morning. Um, I have a question about water. Uh, I have a big old corn plant at home that for several years, the leaves have been turning yellow and falling off a lot. And uh, a couple of months ago, I tried just using distilled water to water it. Uh, and all of a sudden, within a week or two, everything turned green. And it's been perfect. And I'm wondering if uh, there's something really particularly good about the still water, or is there something really bad about our tap water, which is not softened. It's just straight from the city, but not softened. That is an excellent question, Mark. And I was just talking about lighting being one of our biggest issues with indoor plants, but also our water is really important. And you found that using distilled water, which essentially has, nothing in it, it's not treated at all, uh, was beneficial for your, your corn plant. Now, when he says a corn plant, this is not a corn like you eat. This is a type of a plant that the nickname is corn plant, and it's because it kind of has these corn kind of leaves, but it's an ornamental. And uh, a lot of our indoor plants are tropical plants. In fact, almost all of them are, or desert plants. And they respond better to water that does not that is not uh, does not have fluorine in it or chlorine, and some of them actually have sensitivity to those additions that are put into our city water. So using things like distilled water or the reverse osmosis water that you can buy in the grocery store, uh, which has absolutely nothing in it. Those are very good options for house plants. You can add a little bit of fertilizer to it because remember there's nothing in it. There's no minerals in it. And that will help uh, keep your plant growing and producing through the winter. But yeah, I'm so glad you called with that question because water, the quality of water is oftentimes one of the problems that people have with their for the winter. But yeah, I'm so glad you called with that question because water, the quality of water is oftentimes one of the problems that people have with their plants. What is it, Julie? What's the issue with uh, softened water uh, for plant watering? Well, the softened water, I'm not a water scientist, but as I understand it from softening water, it's actually an exchange of ions. So people say, well, it's adding salt to the water. Well, technically it's not. It's it's changing the type of uh, the the ions. It's exchanging the ions in the water, but there's... um, and I'm stumbling over this because I don't have the right vocabulary for it. Well, I kind but, of threw uh, that at you. Yeah, but it's better to just uh, to buy the distilled water. I keep rainwater in my heated garage through the winter. Mm. I have a couple rain barrels. 
I've talked about that before on the show. That's kind of a big deal. A lot of people don't have that opportunity that I do. But um, but if you can go and buy reverse osmosis water or distilled water, those are really good options for plants. Orchids in particular respond really well to the distilled water or the uh, reverse osmosis water. All right. All right, Julie, hang on. We'll uh, take a quick break here on we alert uh, Mary and Grace. We're going to grab your phone calls when we come back. 651-989-9226. Or if it's easier to remember, 651-989-WCCO. We'll take this break. Back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhor from the University of Minnesota. We're going to get back to the phone calls and text messages in a second. But, uh, Julie, being the educator you are, you've already (laughs) done some research on the soft water question. Yeah, I was. uh, that's one of the good things about commercials on this is I can take a minute and check out some information. So essentially the... um, the calcium and magnesium that's in water, the hard, those are hardness ions. They're collected by these little resin beads that we have in our, in our softeners, and those are charged with sodium or potassium ions. So they get exchanged mm. that way. And salt, the salt that we have is used to actually cleanse the excess calcium and magnesium ions out of the beads and replace it with sodium and potassium. So you're getting some salt into the water, but it's not like you're getting salt water. Oh, okay. So uh, I looked that up on homewater101.com. So if you're interested in a good explanation, that's a good website. Thanks for doing that. 651-989-9226 is our phone number. It's also our text number. But let's go to the phones. Mary calling in from Elk River this morning. Thanks for waiting, Mary. What's your question? Well, good morning, and thank you for taking my call. Uh, in our yard, we've had an occasional mole or two. This year, our yard is just completely tunneled, it seems like. And we've walked in uh, a local park, and there are many mole tunnels there also. Is this unusual, and is there any remedy for this situation? Oh, man, moles are destructive. They... um, And it seems that uh, when people call in with mole questions, the more... um, when they get one mole, they seem to have more moles, but it's probably only a one mole that's doing most of the damage. Uh, most of the experts are going to agree that trapping is the most effective way to control mole, and people don't really like to hear that because you're actually killing the moles. Right. Um, and so there's special traps for moles. Uh, the other thing to do is whenever you have a pest, it could be moles, it could be voles, it could be rabbits, is to make the environment unpleasant for them will hopefully move them into another area. So one of the things that moles like to feed upon are uh, grubs that are in the soil. They're carnivores, and they will uh, dig through. If they're finding grubs in the soil, they will continue to feed in that area. So that might be one way in the spring uh, is to examine uh, the quality of your turf and see if that see if you may possibly be having some uh some grub issues. The other thing too is that overwatering your lawn can create a really positive environment for grubs and uh, the moles can dig through the lawn very easily. So that would be something that you would uh, also want to maybe cut back on. 
And it's hard sometimes because we have these drought conditions. But remember that your grass needs to be watered infrequently and deeply so that it puts down really good roots. So those are a couple things you can do to think about that. If your park next door is not controlling moles, you could certainly speak to your city or your municipality. But chances are uh, maybe hopefully they'll stay in that area and not uh, come into your yard if you make your yard less mole friendly. But you have right. a good web page on moles, too, uh, that you can look at on extension.umn.edu under our planting and growing guides. Those critters can do a lot of damage, like you said. Wow. They I mean, are. Damage. Yes, they do. All right. Thank you, Mary. Let's uh, go back to the phones. Grace is calling in this morning, I believe, from Hugo. Grace, you're on with Julie. Oh, thanks for taking my call. Um, <laughs> I got to stay home every Saturday morning to listen to your show. All right. <laughs> oh, we demand it. Like <laughs> awesome. Oh, that's man, that's great. Show, man. I've been listening that's to it great. for quite a few years, and uh, it's rock solid. I'm sure you're going to get a Creeping Charlie story this morning. <laughs> Is it too late to spray for Creeping Charlie? Wait a minute here, folks. I don't know. You'll figure it out. No. <laughs> It is too late to spray pretty much for anything. Uh, it's just too cold, and the chemicals don't work correctly, and the plants are not actively growing. That's the most important thing to think about is when plants are actively growing, that's when they will take up some of those chemicals that you put on the soil, on their leaf surfaces. So, yep, too late to spray for Creeping Charlie. Um, I would uh, consider thinking about that in the spring when you see that plant actively growing. All right. Julia Texter says this, one of the uh, spruce evergreens in my backyard, uh, can I trim two to three branches, each branch approximately one inch diameter, any time of the year without harming the tree, or will I be taking a risk of a fungus? No, you can go ahead and prune those uh, branches off. Uh, You want to do it kind of evenly because you don't want to ruin the form of the plant, but you're not going to get any fungus, uh, any fungal spores or anything from those cut surfaces. Now is a good time to prune a lot of our trees because it's cold and the plants are are dormant, uh, meaning that they are not actively growing at this point. So uh, you're not going to be getting bacteria or fungal spores or anything into those plants. Okay. Another text says this, Julie, I have a mature oak tree that started losing leaves last spring after development just in the south half of the tree. The rest of the tree was normal. Am I losing this mature oak, do you think? Well, whenever you have an issue with particularly a mature uh, plant like an oak tree or maple, any of your large shade trees, you want to call in an arborist. And we are fortunate in Minnesota to have many certified arborists who are amazing and have a huge, broad knowledge of trees and tree care. So you can find a certified arborist by uh, going on the International Society of Arboriculture, ISA.org. Or easier than that is just go to our website under Trees and Shrubs, and we have an extension webpage on how to hire a tree professional. And it will give you links to that website and also some good questions to ask your arborist. Oh, you're right. We have a lot of good ones here. And we are very fortunate in that that department. Excellent green industry in Minnesota. Indeed, we we have. (laughs) Well, we have also about another half hour of the show to go, Julie. So what uh, Mm -hmm. let's do. Oh, by the way, a texter just sent in. A happy holidays to my favorite garden show with some nice Oh, comments. thank you. Happy and holidays to you. That came from, let's see, you help me every week. Mary Lou sent that in from Crystal. 
this morning. Mary Lou, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Julie, hang on. We'll take this break. We're going to look at that forecast, too, including the Christmas Eve and Christmas Day weather. So stay with us here. And Smart Garden returns on News Talk 830 WCCO. Getting 26. Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Lawn Show. Lawn and garden. We'll have to say garden, too. We don't want to limit it to lawns, even though my mind, my mind has been on the dormant seating. I've got to get back to that. But uh, Julie Weisenhorn is with us on our Smart Garden Show this morning from the University of Minnesota. Julie, you know what I wanted to ask you about, especially given the date, the 19th here of December, any ideas for Christmas gifts for gardeners and uh, things like that? Yeah, and... Boy, nice that you would ask that because we just published in our Yard and Garden News, which is our free online uh, information about current gardening things, uh, is gifts, gift ideas for your favorite green thumb. And we, uh, as a group in horticulture, we put together our, our list of recommendations. So I recommended a really good pruner. Our extension educator, Robin Trott from Douglas County, recommended a cocktail garden kit. Annie Claude, who is our extension educator in fruit and vegetable production, recommended a, a seed packet that Superior Seed Company in Duluth are starting to sell, which has little amounts of many kinds of seeds. You know, oftentimes you only plant five out of a pack of 50, and you kind of like, well, what do I do with the rest of the seeds? So this is just a few seeds of several different kinds of vegetables or flowers. So you can grow like an entire garden from one pack. And, uh, of course, uh, let's see, Katie Druitz, who's our extension educator from Stearns, Benton, and Morrison County, she's recommending to do uh, give somebody some classes with master gardeners. And Marissa Shu, who's our brand new, right straight from Michigan State University, a brand new extension educator in horticulture pest management, integrated pest management, that recommends a great insect book, The Ultimate Guide to Backyard Bugs. Uh, the second edition of that. So she said that's great for the budding bug nerd in your life. <laughs> and Natalie Hoytel is recommending uh, the DIY kits uh, for hydroponics that I mentioned a little earlier. We're always recommending buying local, though, because and the Minnesota Grown Holiday Local Gift Guide uh, is really a great resource for that. And last but not least, why not a membership to the Minnesota Landscape Arboretum? This is the gift that truly keeps on giving through the entire year. So um, I don't know if everybody knows that our own Landscape Arboretum was named the best botanical garden in North America by USA Today readers in 2017 and 2019. How about that? That is pretty astounding. There are so many gardens in the United States, and uh, that's pretty pretty cool that we would um, that we would gain that uh, kind of that badge of honor so all sorts of good ideas uh, recommend people go to that and here's another one too and it doesn't cost you anything and that is subscribe your favorite gardener to the yard and garden news and every two weeks they will get uh, an email alert that says hey we've got new information on here and it's always current and it's always timely Julie good ideas let's uh, mention uh, that uh, last uh, item uh, before you leave today so great gift oh, ideas. Good. All right. Uh, if you have a lawn or garden question, don't wait. You can call right now. There's a line open. Or send Julie a text if that's easier, 651-989-9226. 
Uh, a texter wanted to know uh, if there was an information they could find on growing industrial hemp. That we don't have on yard and garden, but I know that there's been research done uh, on growing hemp as an as a uh, industrial plant. So this is hemp that's used for ropes. It's used for fibers for clothing, for bags, uh, anything you can think of that people are making hemp uh, products. I do not know of a research, but I'm sure that a Google search will bring up something. There's so much of it uh, that is being grown uh, for those products. So I can't give you a, a direction on that except to just pop it in your Google search. Yeah, do a little research. Uh, Texter says this, I have uh, lupine, columbine, and dill seeds. Is this a good time to scatter the seeds in the ground for spring growth? Um. I think you could wait till spring, till things kind of warm up. You could put them down now, but chances are they might get eaten by a bird because the ground is so hard. So I think I would hang on to them. And as soon as the weather starts to warm up, maybe the soil is a little bit softer or a little bit moist, then I think I would throw them out, out, out in the garden. Out in the garden. <laughs> Not out, but out in the Not garden. Not out. All right. Uh, let's a couple of uh, texts, Julie, about maybe we could tackle both at once about what I mentioned a bit ago about dormant seeding. First of all, somebody says, what is it? Can you define it? And then when do you do this dormant seeding? So dormant seeding is kind of like an opportunity to get a jump on the spring, on your spring lawn care. You put down seed that's appropriate for the growing condition. So if it's full sun or part shade, uh, and you put that down after the soil has uh, cooled to a point where the seed is not going to germinate. So normally in Minnesota, we would say that's around early to mid-November. We had a very warm November. So uh, considering that we don't have any snow to speak of, at least in central and probably southern Minnesota, then you could go ahead and put it down still at this point. Essentially, it lays there. and doesn't germinate, doesn't grow, of course, until spring soils moisten up and our temperatures get to a point where that seed actually uh, starts to germinate, puts out its roots and initially its first stem. So um, that's it it in a nutshell. We do have a great webpage on it that can give you more information about that, but I think you could still throw some seed down at this point. I plan on doing just that no matter what. <laughs> I'm yeah. determined. I'm determined to get that done. You might get more birds eating it. That's the only Yeah, thing that's that true. We need that. Sn- we really need snow cover big time. Yeah, we do. All right. Do. Uh, let's get back to the phones, Julie. I think Deb is calling in from Kenyon, Minnesota this morning. Deb, you're on CCO with Julie. Thank you for taking my call. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry and to Christmas. you. I- I've heard a few phone calls with questions on diplodamias. Uh-oh. 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 Um, I have had diplodamias for years. They're a real hardy plant. They, they're very forgiving. They don't mind the wind. If you're gone you, and don't water them, they don't die. And I've wintered some of them yearly. I don't clip them back. When I used, first started, I clipped them back, and I found they didn't do well. Oh, I bring sure. Them in, I try to bring them in before it freezes. And then I keep, I have a, 
unfinished basement with a patio door and three big windows, and I put them on a table in front of one of the south-facing windows, and I water them maybe every two weeks. And then when I bring them out, I put them in the garage for a while, take them out during the day so they acclimatize, and then I clip all the runners back because they'll get little right. runners that all over. And okay. So diplodania is also used to be called amandavia, and uh, so that might be a, a plant that's more familiar to people. It's a um, you want to keep the plant near a window that receives kind of all day sunlight. So keeping it where the temperatures, but you're right to keep it in a very cool location. You want temperatures just around 45 degrees. So this would be like a a, a heated garage or like an unfinished basement you mentioned, uh, certainly in some place where you're, it's quite cool because you want to essentially keep that plant in a dormant state as much as possible until spring uh, when it can grow again. It only needs watering when the top two inches or so of that soil begins to dry out. The foliage might dry out, but the plant should produce new spring, uh, new foliage in the spring. If it's growing, if it's actively growing, you might consider trying to find a better place to keep it more dormant. So uh, to prevent it from putting energy into growing now when it's not really going to produce any leaves per se or get enough sunlight to, uh, you know, it's going to use up a lot of its energy in its root system. So that's, uh, I think keeping that plant cool is the key to, uh, and then just watering it a little bit just to prevent it from completely drying out. I think that's going to be your key for that, uh, for those uh, diplodenias or mandavias. All right. Good. Thank you, Deb. Uh, let's see who's next. Jeff is calling in from Schaefer, I believe. Jeff, uh, you're on CCO this morning. What is your question, please? Hello. Say, I've got a question about saving seeds from plants from this year. So I started growing big pumpkins this year, my first year, and I pulled the seeds out of my biggest plant, and I'm wondering what's the best way to prepare them and then store them for planting for next year. So the key for seed saving is to keep the seed dry and cool. So you want to be sure that if you when you collect seed, like let's say you're going to collect pumpkin seed, that's something that people save. They're easy to pick out of the pumpkin. You want to dry them, just let them lay out and dry, and then you want to keep them cool and dry. So that's the trick because oftentimes we get anxious or that we think the plant the seeds are dry enough and we put them into a container and, and they start to mold. And that's, the, that's what you are trying to avoid. So you can keep them in a refrigerator, but you want to keep them in, say, a paper bag. And don't put them in your vegetable bin because that's got moisture in it from those greens and tomatoes and whatever you're keeping in your vegetable or fruit bin. So you want to keep them in. You can put them in a jar, too. Put them in a glass jar. And that would probably, I think I'd probably put them in a glass jar, provided that they have dried out enough. So those are kind of the, the key things for that. Some seeds dry out really well, like marigold seeds are small. They're kind of papery. But other seeds that are beefier, like a bean seed or a pumpkin seed, those can hold a little bit more water. So just be sure that they're as dry as can be. Don't put them in the oven or anything, but just let them lay out and dry. Okay. 
Julie, we're getting a lot of reaction about how to get the newsletter that you mentioned. Uh, oh, a lot yeah. of reaction. How do we do that? So on our extension page, which is extension.umn.edu, and you want to go to Yard and Garden, the very first thing that you see when you go to that homepage is a uh, is the Yard and Garden News. And uh, you can also just type that into the search box at the extension site, too. It is a free subscription. Uh, essentially, we send out a, a little blurb email to you that says, hey, these are the articles that are up there now. And you can choose to go and read those if any of those interest you. The email to you that says, hey, these are the articles that are up there now. And you can choose to go and read those if any of those interest you. Uh, we are timely. We write it. All of us write it in horticulture around the state. And, uh, and we try to keep good information out for Minnesota gardeners. So, yes, subscribe your favorite gardener to Yard and Garden News, and they will thank you. I think uh, before you leave, you've got to mention that again. We're getting a lot of reaction. That sounds from, great. From Good the, deal. Excellent. Hang on, Julie. We'll take uh, this a quick break here. Chris, you're going to be next on the phone. We have text messages we'd like to answer as well here on our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Julie Wiseman on with us from the University of Minnesota. Julie, we have callers. We have texters. Let's see awesome. who is next on the line. Chris is calling in from Maple Grove. Thank you, Chris. What is your question? Hi. Quick question, hopefully. Um, about an orchid. You know, we all see them in the stores, and they're beautiful, and you bring them home and you kill them. <laughs> but I actually had an apartment for the first time that has incredible light, morning sun. Nice and diffuse light all day. So I almost lost it because I got lax on watering the, I do the ice cube once a week mm-hmm. thing. And I brought it back. I got a big leaf produced and a stem that was still on it just flowered. And now it's shooting up new roots. So obviously I caught it just in time. But my question is, it's a mini. It's a tiny little one. Okay. It's in like the smallest, you know, one of those clay pots you can get practically. Do I dare repot this thing so that it can have more room or does it even need more room? That is an excellent question. Uh, So orchids are epiphytes. They, in nature, they grow kind of attached to other trees. They're not parasitic. They pull nutrients and moisture and uh, air uh, and water from the plants that they are kind of growing on. And those roots that you see that kind of will grow out, up and out of the pot are are roots that they would normally be clinging to a, a tree branch or a trunk or something like that. So they're really plants that don't require a lot of watering. Um, so the cool thing is, is you have a new leaf and you're excited about it. That's great. And also that the stem that was on there is reblooming, And that is something that is really a great thing about orchids. We oftentimes, people will be kind of rushed to cut off a green stem that has stopped blooming. And really, you need to wait till it's completely brown before you cut it off. Because as you found out, those stems sometimes rebloom. So that's one thing. The uh, the other thing about uh, watering is orchids because they grow in nature this way that they're not planted in soil. I'm taking the I'm, I'm guessing that this is a moth orchid. 
uh, that these like to be, they like to kind of dry out. They don't uh, need a ton of water. Um, the ice cube, I'm not a total fan of the ice cube method, but it seems to be working for some people. And because this plant is so small, you might be delivering the right amount of water through that ice cube. Um, there's been some research from one of our uh, fellow uh, universities. I'm trying to think which one it is. I know we used to have, we had an article a couple of years from Mary Meyer on that. And they found that it was a fine way to water orchids. I think it's better to take the orchid and set it in the sink uh, and to give it a good dose of either distilled water or reverse osmosis water. Orchids are one of the plants that does not respond well to softened water or to uh, water from our taps. So it sounds like you're doing a great job. And I think just be sure that uh, when that plant is drying, you could pick it up. It's it's probably drying out pretty fast. Just give it a good uh, good uh, dosing of water. Uh, maybe once a month, you can still use the the ice cube in between. You have to be a little careful that ice cube because it could actually uh, damage a root because of the cold. That's one uh, one thing that might happen. But um, you've done a great job with it. Sounds like it's responding well. The light is huge, so you have a lovely window. I would encourage you to buy other orchids and uh, and give them a try, too, because they are really rewarding plants. And I think you're really getting the hang of it. So good for you. That is fantastic. All right. Julie, I know our time is uh, coming to a close here. And I we had three separate uh, text messages about tree trimming. Uh, one is basically, is this a good time of year? And two, uh, one has about maple tree question, and the other, uh, apple trees. Is it is it okay to trim any of those now? Okay. Well, right now it's it's fine to trim your large shade trees, your oaks, your maples, birch. Uh, you might see on a if it's a warm day or we have kind of a warm spell, you might see a little bit of sap leakage from the birch and from the maple, but that's perfectly fine. It's normal. You want to hold off on fruit trees until around March, February, March. And uh, and essentially, this is uh, the time that's recommended because the plant is completely dormant and it will have enough time to recover from the cut before it actually starts to actively grow. So uh, fruit trees, wait till February, end of February, March, and then, uh, but now you could be pruning your large shade trees. I think, Julie, we have time for one more uh, phone call. Ellen has awesome. been hanging on the line from outing. Ellen, thank you. What, what's your question for Julie? Yeah, um, I'm overwintering my geraniums for the first time. And when I brought them in, I cut them way back, gave them just a little bit of water, covered them with a, I took a leaf bag um, and cut it down so that I'd have a bag big enough to go over them. And then I put them in our 40-degree heated garage. And then I've been checking them, I don't know, I think every three to four weeks. The last time I checked them, there were a whole lot of tall, skinny, (laughs) albino-like stems. (laughs) And I cut them down, recovered them. Is is that okay? I mean, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah, they are just still uh, and those, that albino, uh, real pale, pale, pasty green is is due to the fact that they're not getting any light, so they're not uh, producing. Uh, you know, the chlorophyll isn't uh, isn't actively uh, moving around. So that's that's one of the reasons. That's why plants are so pale when they're in uh, in dark areas. Uh, some of them. So uh, it's not, I think you're doing fine. 
and uh, it sounds like they still are are growing. You you might. Uh, I think you're doing okay. I don't think you're going to have to worry too much. If you're concerned they do start to look very dry, is that you could give them just a little bit of water uh, just to moisten the root area just a tad. But, um, yeah, so they will do that. And just you can cut them back like that. Uh, but I think you're doing fine. We do have a web page, too, on overwintering geraniums, which might give you some good information as well. A couple of minutes to go, Julie. Let's grab a text or two. Uh, here's one. It says, I pulled up my geraniums this fall, have them in brown bags in a cool room in my basement. Do I need to check on them, and when can I pot them for spring planting? So so some people will take the geraniums out of the dirt, uh, like this person did, and put them into a bag. Um, you want to check those. Sometimes they might start to dry out quite a bit and you might just give them a little bit, you know, put them in a little bit of water, just run, run them underwater, put them back in the bag. Um, you don't want them to mold. So don't get them super wet. Um, I would pot them up probably after the first of the year, maybe early February uh, so that you get a really good jump on the, on, uh, you know, on the gardening season and can get them outside when things start to warm up in May. Okay. Another texter before we go says, how accurate are those watering probes when deciding to water or not? Well, the watering probes have a very tiny tip on them, and um, I have not done a lot of research into the probes, but from what I understand is that you really need, if you're going to use it, you want to probe a number of places around the root ball. And so you want you don't want to just stick it in one place and say, oh, it needs to be watered. It's really very easy to just use your fingers, too, and feel the top few inches of soil or media so that you can uh, tell if it's dry or not. So, um, yeah, the probes, I don't know. They're kind of cool, but um, but you want to at least, if you're going to use one, is probe a lot of places around the soil ball. Less than 30 seconds, Julie. How do we get that lawn and garden issue? Uh, great gift ideas, by the way, today. How do, we, how do we get that to us or someone else? So you want to go to extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. You can type it right in the search box. And it is the first thing that you will find. It says, read Yard and Garden News. And uh, click on that, and you can subscribe. Uh, off to the side, there's a subscribe button. And subscribe your favorite gardener just with their email address. And also underneath the underneath the Yard and Garden News are the Smart Garden Podcast. So if you miss ah. our show, you can listen to the recorded version. Excellent. Merry Christmas, Julie. Thanks for all your help this year, and we'll, uh, we'll do it again. But have a great Merry, holiday. Merry Christmas, Denny, and to everybody. And looking forward to 2021. Us too. Thank you so much. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be joining us next hour. 26 is our current temp. We're heading to oh, about 29 today, but maybe 37 tomorrow. Stay with us here on CCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.